This is a message for Danny Jansen. Danny, please stop spitting. You know the rules. They've been said to you over and over again. You know that you're not allowed to spit, and you know that you're doing it. You even have to lift your catcher's mask in order to do it, and you know that the camera's on you. It sees you every single time. Just please stop spitting. You're going to kill somebody. You're going to take baseball away from people. Stop spitting. And it is a rainy Thursday here in Toronto, Ontario. It is July 16th, 2020. You are listening to Underdogs. I am David Patrick Fleming. And right in front of me on my computer screen, looking at me like a crazed panda, is the one and only Jacob Eamon. That's my go-to animal, man. Everyone's like, when they see me, like, ah, what kind of animal would Jacob be? Panda. Really? That dude's a panda. Yeah. I, no, I actually never once. I've never once been <laughs> called a panda. Yeah, crazy. no. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say brown bear, but uh, I just jumped ship last second and went panda. Yeah, I don't panda. know. Brown, brown bear might get you in some trouble. That was exactly what I did. I immediately censored myself. I was like, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Pick another type of bear. Go, go, go. Man, pandas are scary. Why? What do you mean, to, why? They're huge who? and they're vicious to anybody. <laughs> vicious. You ever seen those videos on YouTube? Man, I saw eating, uh, Of them eating uh, bamboo and wrestling uh, with their brothers? No, how about a man looking into the cage being like, Hi, panda, I've got some sticks and straw for you. The panda grabbed the man by the jacket, yanked him into the cage and started tearing him into the cage. And the guy was like, no, no. <laughs> man, they're huge. They're huge and they're vicious. You couldn't. Dude, if a, you were around a panda, you wouldn't stand a chance. Not a chance. I think that the panda and I would probably become great friends. Like, we would be eating, manging together. It would be, it would be wonderful. Only I don't thing know what you're talking about. The only thing being eaten would be your innards by the panda. It would go straight for your stomach and leave you alive until the last possible second before it popped your organs. A panda has never eaten a human before. You don't know Never that. happened. Yeah, look it up tonight. Those oh, so you think of, you think there's no stats I know, all right? So you think there's no possible way that a panda ate a human and just wasn't recorded? Like somebody walked up on the incident, was like, "Ah, I gotta Google this quick, just so this is recorded." No, yeah, it's not in their no. nature. It's like, and oh, if this it, human was just turned into spaghetti. Let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> no, if it happened, they'd be like, "This was shocking. We need to record this. Put it on Google, <laughs> Wikipedia. Someone, some panda did eat a man." Oh my God, this is like shocking. I just saw somebody get eaten whole by a panda. Yeah, it didn't happen. You have no idea. You don't know shit about pandas and what they do. All right, now that we've got the blood boiling, let's get into inner squad game. Technically number two, well, technically number three, but it's only the second one that's been televised. Yeah. And, and I got to say... Is it the last one? Like, what the hell's going on now? They, are like, you kidding me game one of two tonight is the biggest night no man nate pearson ryan barucki it's live bp it's they're not intra-squad games what Mm-hmm. i'm watching nate pearson throw bp i'm not sure you are watching what yeah 
That's the problem. Are you serious? I've been am. turned on all day, like waiting for that to happen. I thought that it was another inner squad game where Nate Pearson was going to be just whapping 108 on the no speedometer. As far as I know, that's not the case. Oh, that sucks. That's it. That's all anybody wants to see. They just yep. don't want people to see how good Nate Pearson is. So they're like, oh, why don't you call him up? Yeah, that's probably true. Ah, oh, that sucks, man. I was really excited by both Anthony Kay and Jordan Romano when I was watching. Yeah, Tony Kay looked real good to start. Tony Kay. <laughs> uh, on the underdogs, we don't honor anyone's full name of Anthony. <laughs> We're Tony's all the way here. <laughs> I got the sense that player, like he just made players on his own team like annoyed by the way he pitches and then i could just see them like yeah that's good that's that'll be good when he's pitching against people that that we uh, don't mind getting hit in the face the amount of times he's up and in on both sides of the of the box is amazing and he reminds me so much of mark burley physically yeah. his delivery he's maybe got a couple more ticks on the fastball like i yeah, think vintage sure. prime burley is like 91 and I think Kay's running up there like 93, 94. But the way he runs that fastball in on righties, he looks like a nasty at-bat. I'm really excited about him. I think like, and you can see it with a lot of pitchers, their off-speed stuff is inconsistent. Like sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Like it spins out, it's not breaking a lot. But when he was locked in with his off-speed and he's picking that inside corner, he's really exciting to me. And And to think that... He was sort of the second piece in that Stroman deal, that it was all about Simeon Woods Richardson, and now you have this guy who looks like a bona fide potential major league starter for sure. He's He's got to work on where he's shaving his neckline on the beard. It's, <laughs> it's a really terrible-looking beard, I'll say that. And what you're talking about with the off-speed stuff is is true for sure, and also just generally. like he's He looks amazing for three innings, and things things fall apart in the fourth. He's still getting stretched out. You know, of course, it, it, the last game he pitched, he probably he probably pitched three innings or the equivalent of however many pitches that would be. And then this time he was adding on a fourth, whatever that pitch number is going to be. So it's not going to be as sharp by that point. And he got smoked in the back. Oh, man, I because I was thinking I was like, oh, this guy's good, man. He's going to be he's going to be make this break this rotation. I'm really excited by this guy. It's great to have. A nice hard throwing lefty. Oh my God, he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, let's move on. Let's drag him off the field and bring the next guy on. That was so close to being a disaster. Yeah. You who could was, see who it was it that hit face. him? It looked like a rock. It rocket. was Panic. It was Joe Panic. Yeah, it probably wasn't that hard then, but <laughs> <laughs> it's still going to hurt a lot. Do you see that look on his face, though, when he got here? He's like, oh my God. <laughs> like it was, oh God, your life must flash before your eyes. But moving on to uh, Jordan Romano, and, and I was saying Anthony K reminds me of Mark Burley. Jordan Romano, for me, the delivery and his body and face, Brandon Morrow. That's who he looked like to me. Mm. He looked like, and they said that he'd uh, added some ticks to his fastball, and there was no radar gun in his inner squad games, but he looked like he was chucking heat. And when he throws that slider, it's a really weird slider because it comes on this exact same plane as the fastball. It looks like it spins just like a fastball, and it drops straight down. Like There's mm -hmm. no lateral movement on it, which I thought was really interesting. And he changed his uh, grip on his slider in the offseason specifically. And it, Did he get that from Giles? 
like has it, he been working with Jaws? It was a Rap Soto thing, from what I read. Shai huh. Beatty reported that he worked with Rap Soto, and that's what uh, changed the grip on his slider. Damn, I love I love sliders that go straight down. I oh, mean, man, it's, especially late relief when you're throwing 97 and it looks like 97 coming out of your hand, then bottom drops out of it. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, yeah, no radar gun, but that thing looks like it's it's coming in 97, 98. Man, he could be a good late inning guy, eighth, eighth inning, and then you bring in the school shooter to close things down. That's a, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a tough two innings for the opposition. Yeah. Well, and like, this is a brand new feeling for us. How the last like it feels like five years as bullpens have been gunning up, gunning up. All these guys start gunning it over ninety five. We've had guys coming in in the eighth who are throwing ninety one, ninety two fastballs. You're like, let's get with the times. Now all of a sudden, we've got this like bevy of smoke throwing relievers. It's, it's so I love smoke. It, 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 even if even if they're not as effective as somebody who's not throwing as hard and is using more off speed and is more of like a surgeon in the way that they're picking apart the plate. I love when guys light up the radar gun, especially late in the game. I feel like it adds that extra intensity. It puts so much pressure on the other team. I love smoke throwers. Yeah. We didn't get to see a great example, but everyone's been talking about Rafael Dolis. Uh, in the first game, he just couldn't find his release point. He couldn't really throw much for a strike but people are saying this guy's got a, a cannon too and uh, you know it's gonna be interesting that what what happens after after the starter comes in who who who's gonna make it to to giles and if if all of these guys are throwing above 95 on the way there that's why i'm so excited about nate pearson as well because he seems like he'll be a big strikeout guy we haven't had a starting pitcher who is a big strikeout guy like you would have thought aaron sanchez would be a really big strikeout guy. He had a really great fastball. His fastball moves like two or three feet. And he had that huge 12 to 6 curveball. And his, his changeup was so inconsistent. And in general, he was so inconsistent. But he didn't strike out a lot of guys. Stroman didn't strike out a lot of guys. Every now and then, like when Estrada was really uh, tricking people with his changeup, yeah. I guess he was striking guys out. But Jay Happ's not a huge strikeout guy. I'm just really excited about the potential of, you know, 12Ks. What'd you think of Vlad? Second second game, Vlad. I mean, half of a game, I guess we can call it. But uh... the, the one thing I'll say about Vlad, and this is you know not, not about him grounding the ball too much, not about him you know coming out of his swing. Even when Vlad struggles, he get he manages to kind of get on base. Do you know what I mean? Like he he manages to hit the ball so hard that he. He gets on base like for as crappy as Vlad seemed at times last year. When you think about the fact that he he batted uh, two seventy, mm-hmm. and he doesn't strike out. I mean, he definitely struck out way more last year than he was ever accustomed to in the minor leagues. But he still didn't strike out that much for somebody who hits the ball as hard as he does. Like most guys who hit the ball that hard, strike out a shitload. Yeah, no doubt. And it's true. He does find a way to get on base. Even like, you know, he hits that bloop single into left field that Guriel Miss plays. It goes over his head. He finds ways to get on base. And there's also just that energy around him that makes him a wonder kid, right? That's like the same thing that happens that for some reason good things happen when he gets on the base too. Like he took advantage of two two errors, took like three extra bases last night because of weird things happening as soon as he gets on base. 
Yeah, and they were quick to be like, all right, Vlad, you got to sit down now. (laughs) (laughs) You ran all out twice, and we're taking you out of this game, and we're going to go put you on a ventilator. We have them uh, reserved for people with COVID, but we're going to put you on it right now. Yeah. If Look, if I'm in that organization, I'm talking to Pete Walker. I'm telling Pete, all right, we're giving Anthony K. Thousand bucks. He's grooving one for Vladdy tonight. We're on TV. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> get the fan base behind him. Straight down the middle. Uh, two, two, three pitches in a row. I want to see him blast one like into the flight deck. Like I, I don't see what the problem with that is. Kay's not going to come off looking bad. Vlad looks like the king is back. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm, I'm doing. It. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that the fan base is not behind Vlad. I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are that said what we said on our earlier podcast about being disappointed in him. When you look at a lot of the articles that are being written, uh, like by MLB, and I was, um, I was watching some videos yesterday of some ex players talking. They're, they're just like, yeah, he's at first base. He's where he needs to be, and this is going to free him up. And this guy's going to mash this year. And I think a lot of fans just say, oh, I think maybe they feel bad for him. Like, oh, they moved him to first base. We liked him at third base. Uh, I think that the narrative around Vlad is still positive in general. No, I I get that. I get that. And that still makes sense to me. I just still think it would be fun, you know, especially after Bo hits that home run first pitch. Um, I don't know if Biggio, I don't think Biggio had hit the home run yet, but it just seems like there's nothing to lose here. (laughs) <laughs> let's why don't we let why don't we just let that like take a, a home run derby crack at something and and just make us all feel really excited S- about him swing so hard that your stomach comes through the zone before <laughs> your bat does and just crush it into the fifth deck yeah it does seem a bit and this is something i wasn't really considering on his uh defensive switch from moving from third base to first base it is a little bit awkward to be a right-handed first baseman. Oh, yeah. You know, the way that he's coming off for the pickoffs, he's, he's a completely off the base. He's turned the other way. And it's awkward sometimes, you know, when the ball gets hit deep into second, he's got to kind of turn and get his uh, his other arm around there. You know, there isn't a lot of right-handed first baseman. No, and you got to imagine that other teams are going to be really testing that out, getting huge leads, trying to steal a bunch of bases, testing – Reese's and uh, Danny Jansen's arms and and how quickly they the pitchers can get the ball back to Vlad if he's going to be able to get a tag down quick enough. There's going to be a lot of testing Vladdy out at first in that way, I think. There's something that has really hit me watching these inter-squad games, and I wanted to talk about this with you. Are we underestimating that Kevin Biggio is not the leader of this team. I mean, are we reading too much into the team being called Bo's team? And because he's older than Bo, mm-hmm. he seems really smart. He seems like he has a great energy. He seems like he's all business, but not in a way of like, you know, you're afraid to be around him like Tulowitzki was. He seems like he's still uh, warm enough that he's approachable. He just seems really smart, really disciplined. And for a guy in his first year in the league to have the on-base percentage that he had, I mean, that's like a veteran skill to develop, and he's coming into the league with that. And I think that he could potentially be the leader of this team if he isn't already you know, behind closed doors. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. There's definitely something in there. Um, you, can, you can see that. But what I think would be more likely is that 
Bo kind of comes to him behind closed doors. Like if something gets out of Bo's con- out of his control, he would like go to Kevin for some advice or like how to how to approach something. Um, like it seems like Vla- uh, Bo's just kind of like the the face of being a leader, and that that uh, or like he's the um, Avon Barksdale, and uh, <laughs> Kevin Biggio's the Stringer Bell of the. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 I think so, man. I think I think if if any of the young players want to watch somebody to learn how to go through an at bat, it's him. Mm-hmm. And then he surprises everybody. I mean, this is an inter squad game, and it doesn't fucking matter. Maybe he's just trying shit out. But the three zero home run. Yeah, well, he had more more home runs than Vlad last season. Yeah. He steals bases. He's really exciting in in a he, sort he of really is in in like a not flashy necessarily kind of way but like the kind of guy that like just seems like gonna have a long solid career and be be uh productive and consistent which is what we want the most right yeah and the way he even just on his home run he just he flew out of the box like oh he my was god running, he was he, ripping he was it running like <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> it's a uh, different from vlad for sure i mean how many times last year did vlad hit the fence and he was just like skipping down to first base yeah What's going to be really interesting with Biggio this season is what what's going to happen with his batting average. Because to me, it seemed like it seemed like he's he's dealing with a lot, and his the way his brain works, I feel like he's taking in more than just what the pitch is that's coming at him. He's dealing with the whole game, like like he's playing chess, and and I think that the hitting is going to take a step forward this season. I think it's going to be tough for us to not read too much into this 60-game sample of a season that they're about to undertake because baseball is such a rhythm thing. And if you have a bad first week, two weeks, and then you get into your head for another two weeks, mm-hmm. all of a sudden the season's a third of the way over and your numbers might look like shit and you might not recover from that. But uh, I think as long as... He, he just doesn't seem like a guy that even when he struggles, he's going to chase out of the zone too much. He doesn't seem like he's going to panic. He just seems very in control and very comfortable and he knows himself really well yeah just just stay patient wait for mistakes and being being able to take advantage of those mistakes more often than not i really hope that they're in the mix though and that it for for no other reason other than i don't want them to trade ken giles i i love him on this team i just think he brings such an intensity i think he holds players accountable i think he just I think the other team fears him. I think he's one of those guys that comes in from the bullpen late in the game and they're like, oh shit, here comes the school shooter. And he's just so intense. He's got a, a wicked fastball, wicked slider. And those guys don't come along very often. Even if guys have the same you know, numbers as him, he's got that edge to him. Kind of, I was just kind of thinking about it would be nice almost. Like, I wish he was a starter, even just for a brief time, so I could see him throw at people more. <laughs> because like it just can't like it's coming in as a closer you can't risk just throwing at people for fun or to like make make people fear you but if he had that opportunity and could throw 100 miles or 99 miles giles at you just to to scare the shit out of you because you know he's unhinged what like oh, yeah. that could add to his persona yeah <laughs> he really seems like uh, like a misfit toy that found his home in toronto you know, he seemed like he was such an outsider with the Astros and he's just fit in here and I don't want to see him go. I want him, I want them, 
I mean, he might go anyway, even if they don't trade him. I mean, the Jays might not sign him again, but I would love to see the Jays extend an offer to him just like a couple of years. Yeah, even just one year. One year seems likely to me. Like, I don't see what the what the problem is going to be. I can't imagine anything's going to be worth it nearly for anyone to get traded. Like, this is going to be the biggest bust of a trade deadline, I think, in history. Like, so little action, I think, is going to happen. Teams like the Blue Jays that may not be in it are going to be, like, four games below, three games below the 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 wild card leader. Yeah. You know, bad teams are going to be five games below 500. Like, it's it's going to be so bizarre. So many teams are going to be so close and yet so far from making the playoffs. It's It'll be really interesting, too, what kind of, like, happens at the end of the season. If there's going to be ties, extra games that need to be played, tiebreakers, shit like that because of the amount of teams that are uh, close. So I'm going to call you out on this, Jacob. It looks like your theory was completely debunked because yesterday on the podcast, you talked about the hitting whisperer, Dante Bichette, and yeah. how he was talking to Derek Fisher, and you were really excited to to see what um, effect that might have on Derek Fisher's at-bat. We'll hear Derek Fisher up at the plate and strike one right down the middle. Fisher looks at it. Let's see how he rebounds. Another fastball right down the middle, and it's 0-2. Let's see how Fisher strike three, sit down, not one swing. Classic Derek Fisher. Classic Derek Fisher. And, And what I'm guessing happened after the game, I mean, Dante was busy. We saw him. He was working with someone else. He didn't have time for Fisher maybe that day. But after the game, I got a, I got a feeling Dante's going up to Derek. He's like, Derek, if the pitcher throws a fastball or, or really any ball in the middle of the plate, I want you to use that bat you're holding in your hand. Attempt to hit that ball by swinging that bat you're holding at it and try to hit the ball. And Derek, I can't be seen on camera talking to you anymore, okay? <laughs> you just made me look like shit, and uh, this can't come down on me. So we're going to stay away from each other. If you need to talk to me, you meet me behind closed doors. Who was that he was teaching how to swing? I it was like a third catcher because he had catcher's pads on. I couldn't think about who it was either, but uh, I was trying because I was going to make the comment about the, the hitting whisper, but I didn't know who it was. Was it Caleb Joseph, maybe? No, no, it was like a young kid, Caleb Joseph. No one's talking to Caleb Joseph about hitting. <laughs> Anybody who talks to Caleb Joseph is just asking him if he needs Advil or an ice pack. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the uh, hitting whispers' other clients, Randall Grishik. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go, baby. Nice short swing. Popped it right over the left field fence. No effort whatsoever. Booyah. Is that not exactly what I was describing yesterday with a short swing? He's going to get those line drives, and some of them are going to go over the fence, just like that one did. Yeah, it almost looked like a mistake. It almost like he's way out in front of it, and he uh, he just caught it right on the, on the barrel, probably because he's keeping that bat through the zone longer, just like Dante told him. It's the exact same kind of home run I remember seeing in the spring, too. It, it, it's that same it's the same swing it's perfect it's so short and you know what it reminds me of this i could be way off on this one uh it reminds me a bit of trout swing uh and i know that the the finish is different it goes to the one-handed finish watch yourself i know i know it's blasphemous <laughs> but just the, it, like the direct short like chop that it looks like now like just i don't it's know it's like the poor man's version of trout swing. yeah like it's like you couldn't get a certain actor so you get someone who sort of looks like him to be in the movie of the week on cbs like it's in the same world as trout swing but it's trout's got like the most compact 
short, powerful swing. Like Trout looks like he stops swinging as soon as the ball hits his back. I know. And it just flies. It's surprising. I mean, he has so much power. He's not that big of a guy. You know what I mean? But he can. Who? Trout or Grichik? No, Grichik. Trout's big. Yeah, Trout's huge. (laughs) Trout's fucking huge. Uh, Grichik. And uh, I don't know, man. I. Grichik bothers me in a lot of ways, but I could get behind him if he's going to start to be a more disciplined at bat. The only thing for me is that fucking goatee. Yeah. He's got to do something about that. You want to talk about Anthony Kay's neckline? Well, Grichik's got to either detach that goatee or grow the rest of it. I've been enjoying where his goatee has been. Like, he's always kind of got a goatee, but it's usually a bit shorter, just a bit more of a shadow, which makes the hard, straight line down the sides less aggressive to me, which you're right. It's got to go. It's it's a major problem. Yeah, absolutely. No one's going to respect him. It's like, we got your face on the posters outside the stadium, man. Like, fix yourself up. <laughs> you're in Toronto. You're not in Arkansas. My girlfriend, Brittany, thinks he's really, really good looking. He is. He's a good looking dude, man. But like he's fucking it up. It's like when you walk by someone who's got like a perfect thick head of hair, but they shave their head. It's like, give it to someone else. <laughs> like, what, what are you doing fucking up your face with that goatee? Yeah, relax. Your goatee, Just relax, doesn't, man. Your goatee doesn't have to be disciplined. No, no. But, you know, if if we have to suffer that goatee in the name of a more disciplined plate approach and a shorter, more direct swing that results in more line drives, higher on-base percentage, I'll suffer it. I can turn my head away and just listen to the audio. Okay, so this is, this is something for me. It's another sort of uh, comparison of, of uh, watching baseball to it, something that I feel in my field of work and working in the theater and uh, it was when uh, Brian Moron was uh, up on the on the bump and he's pitching he's a guy who's you know trying to make the squad he's uh, not being talked about a lot and you've got Pete Walker and Charlie Montoyo in the background right behind behind home plate and they are in what is uh, seems to be a super animated, maybe heated discussion. They're kind of getting up. Uh, Pete Walker's going up talking to someone behind him, and meanwhile, Brian's on trying to trying to make some nice pitches here out of the corner of eye. He's got to be seeing his coaches, the guys he's trying to impress, not watching him involved in yeah. some other conversation. It just reminded me, you know, in in theater when we're in tech in the last couple of days before we open a show, and we're in the tech and you're on stage, you're doing a run, and you just, out of the corner of your eye, you see your directors, like, talking to someone or moving around or, like, taking notes. You're like, what is he talking? What, or he or she, what is so important that you need to be discussing right now? I can hear you. I know, it's impossible know. not to make it about yourself. <laughs> yeah, I know, you're like, <laughs> like I know it's about point. the lights right now, and it's <laughs> not me, but it's, I still... Especially when they have those pens that light up in the theater, and as soon as you start talking, it's like, ping, the light goes on and notes are being scribbled. Yeah. So I just felt for Brian Moran in, in, in that moment. Yeah, I've never, uh, I've never noticed that uh, before. Like, I, I can't recall ever. I mean, there's obviously fans at spring training games and stuff. But is that their ideal position of where they'd like to be? Is directly behind the catcher because they're there all the time. I wonder if that's like a benefit of this whole thing that I think it is. They can for actually sure. sit there. 
It is, but I think it probably isn't a benefit for the players who are used to not having to worry about seeing the people they're trying to impress, trying to get a job from right in their eyeline behind the hitters. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Although it didn't seem to affect Brian too much. He looked great. It was weird. They might delivery. have a discussion before. It's like, hey, guys, just know that we're going to be back there. Just do your thing. Like, we're on your side. Um, we're just trying to see it from a different perspective. We want to see what the perspective of the hitter is and how your pitches are coming in. That's all this is. Like, we, we trust you. you guys are big leaguers. Yeah. And that's I, all I well and fine. But when they stop watching you, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> let's Let's start to wrap up here. But I've got two big questions for you, David. Okay? All right. Pearson comes up, and uh, suddenly the rotation seems kind of sneaky good, maybe not being talked about as a top rotation, but definitely not a bad rotation. If everyone's healthy, Shoemaker kind of lives up to what we think he could be. Um, Anderson and Roark are healthy, and they eat up innings. We've got this elite young kid. We've got a potential Cy Young candidate in Ryu, um, and then either Brucky or K rounding out that fifth spot. We've got no this, Thornton. Wow, I don't know. It could be Thornton too. One of those three guys doesn't really matter to me. They all kind of seem in the same boat to me as serviceable fifth guys. One of them could take a huge step forward and and uh, push push them push themselves into the rotation even against someone like Anderson or Roark if they're more talented. Then then fuck those guys. Um, we've got. This suddenly, this uh, bullpen that seems like we've got a lot of power, a lot of guys that uh, seem like they could really be decent in getting us to Giles. And one of the things over the past couple of seasons, ever since Shapiro and Atkins have been here, is we've always seemed to have a pretty solid bullpen. You know, like there's never been a season where it's like, fuck, these guys are just brutal. There's always been these guys that we've been trading at the deadline. We have a decent bullpen generally. Um, we've got an elite closer, a young core with the big three in their second season primed for a jump. Um, the defense gets a boost with Vladov third. What do you think is going to hold this team back if they don't make the playoffs this season or are not in the mix, like right into the end? What is What are we going to lose games from? this season what why why are the jays going to lose this season what's the, what's the weak link for you that was the longest question i've ever been asked in my entire life uh what do i think that they're going to lose games to if they lose games i think it's going to be growing pains still i think it's still going to be that this team is young and i think that this is sort of what we do every off season we we look at this team and we say, you know, maybe if, and then if this, and, you know, maybe if this can, and there's a lot of things that still have to come together for that to all work out. And what we usually see is underperformance and injuries. So I think that, you know, oblique injuries are really difficult things to bounce back from. So Chase Anderson's going to have to try to manage that. And whoever steps in for him, whether it be Anthony Kay, whether it be Trent Thornton, you know, Trent Thornton's still going to have some growing pains. He was super inconsistent last year. Anthony Kay's not pitched in the consistently in the big leagues before. If he steps in for him, he's going to have growing pains. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have a lot of relievers who 
are doing those coming in from the bullpen probably at times that they're not used to it guys who used to be starters in the minor leagues are now being forced to come in and throw an inning so there might be some struggles there i think that the potential of the team is really good but there's going to be some cracks right. and it's just kind of like where are these cracks going to be my guess would be injuries and underperformance from guys who you assume will take steps forward but i feel like that's what we always fall into the trap of is assuming everybody takes a step forward second question for you what do we do if travis shaw is what he was last season last season he had a minus 1.2 war he hit 157 with a 551 ops seven home runs he was sent down to the minors he, he can say he fixed whatever it was, blah, blah, blah. Everyone says that offseason. No one has ever been like, to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty worried. I, 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 I might have lost it. I'm, I'm trying to make adjustments, but I just don't know if they're going to work. I'm 30 years old now, and the best of my career is definitely behind me. So we'll see what happens this year. Yeah, that's a really good question because I don't imagine you move Vlad back to third. I don't imagine you make this big move with shifting him over to first base and say, get your ass back to third. I imagine maybe you bring up uh, Espinal. Maybe Espinal becomes part of your uh, infield. Maybe he can play third base a little bit. Um, maybe Jordan Groshans gets more time than anyone would have expected him to get. Uh, I don't think... And, and I think that, you know, that's one of the traps that I was talking about is, you know, you get a guy like Travis Shaw who had a dog shit year last year and we say to ourselves, but the previous two years he was hitting 30 bombs. And so he's probably more likely to hit these 30 bombs. You know, he's in a new team and he's going to be around all these young guys and he's going to be excited. He's trying to fight for a contract. He's trying to make money. Of course, he'll go back to hitting 30 home runs again. This is amazing. What a cheap pickup. But he goes back to being absolute rat shit. And I think that it's not the biggest deal if that happens because you have guys who can fill in. It's only a big deal if what you're assuming is that he's like a, a moderate all-star level fielder. You can't expect that from him. Mm -hmm. I think you have to expect him to be dog shit and take anything that's above dog shit. My concern is just that no one seems to be talking about the possibility that he might be just a black hole offensively i think they'll let him ride it out for 60 games being trash to be quite honest because you know he's going to be probably the most comfortable at third base than anybody else who's going to play over there brandon and jury he's batting oh my god i forgot he was alive brandon well he's on that uh covid, <laughs> COVID list potentially yeah. but uh brandon jury's a good third baseman I'd still rather Shaw to try to figure it out because it seems like if you gave him enough time and you trusted him enough and you let him work through some of the kinks that there might be more upside in him figuring it out than giving Brandon Drury just another chance to have a hot streak of four games and then being so inconsistent offensively. Even though, you know, obviously Brandon Drury is a good fielder, but... Yeah. I'm not know, saying that Brandon Drury is the answer. Obviously... I mean, not obviously, but very likely he's not. But it it is just a concern for me um, how bad Travis Shaw could potentially be. Yeah, I mean, totally. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. There is this weird assumption that he's just going to have this incredible bounce back. Yeah, why? Why would we think that? <laughs> I know. Well, I guess he, it's because it was so surprising and how bad he just became all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, the two years before his two good years, he was pretty average or, or below average. He had like 16 home runs the year before that, 15 the year before that. Like, he, I don't know. 
I just think it's more likely he's bad than good. I think he's got to buy 60 games this year. He's got to take them through this transitional phase. And then next year, probably too soon. It's probably too soon. But you can start to think about Austin Martin being there. Right. Okay. Or or uh, Groshans, right? Yeah, maybe. I think Groshans is a natural shortstop. But, you know, I think if you can play shortstop, you can play third. I've got a prediction here. I guess it's two predictions here. <laughs> this this is this is this is the most I've ever gone out on a limb I think on this show. <laughs> but uh I think Nate Pearson is going to get a couple Cy Young votes this year. And uh I think he's going to be number 2 in rookie of the year votes to uh Luis Ro- Robert or Robert, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um on the White Sox. And he might I think he could even win rookie of the year. It and it's it's uh I think I don't know. I think he could be a Cy Young candidate if we bring him up from the beginning. I don't think that's that crazy, man. And I think, you know, I think that would have been just like when Vladdy came up last year to be like, Oh, he's gonna be the rookie of the year for sure. And he's like gonna be a potential MVP candidate. Yeah. And nobody would have been I mean, we would have all been really excited, but nobody would have been maybe surprised if that had happened with Vladdy last year. And I think I mean, stuff is stuff. You're throwing a hundred miles an hour plus and you developed all this off-speed stuff, you're 6'6", just gunning down on you, man, he's really exciting. Really exciting. And it seems like pitchers generally do a bit better than than positional players from the outset. That's not always the case, but you know he's throwing as hard as he's ever going to throw, likely now. Maybe he'll go up a, a little bit, but the graph goes up, in the first two seasons, and then it just goes slowly, slowly down for the rest of his life, right? We'll see tonight when he plays the inter-squad game. Oh, no, it's untelevised BP. Thanks. Thanks, I don't, Sportsnet. I mean, maybe it's televised BP, but I doubt it. I can't you imagine. see him throw BP? I would. One week till the MLB plays meaningful games. One week from today. Get excited. Get excited.